Hi, I'm Charles. Hi, I'm Bailey. And you are listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. Welcome back to Hold Me, I'm Scared, where each week we pick out a spooky topic and explore it. This week, we are talking about natural disasters. Yes, so they call um, acts of God, which checks out um yeah we had different preferred names for the topic <laughs> yeah i wouldn't have called it acts of god but uh, na- natural disasters acts of god same yeah how do you feel about natural disasters storms fires hurricanes tornadoes uh yeah so actually when i was a kid i had like almost a phobia of tornadoes i would like refuse to go outside if I thought that a tornado would come. I would watch weather reports like obsessively. I begged my parents to get a tornado shelter. Um, and I would like cry hysterically anytime that there was like uh, that the sirens went off or like the, the news like reported there is a possibility of a tornado, which living in Oklahoma happened all the time. Yeah. And it kind of got to a point where my parents were basically like, you have to get over this. Because it's just going to happen. Well, how old were you? Um, I think this was like mostly... Like roundabout. Yeah, like seven to nine. Okay. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I had felt the same. I, I've... Okay. This is controversial to any time that I say it, but... When it comes to natural disasters, especially tornadoes, I know they destroy people's lives. And I know they bring a lot of misfortune. However, I just can... I I don't know how you can deny the fact of just how beautiful they are. They're... They're incredibly... Just stunning to me. And I've been obsessed with them for a long time. Yeah, once I got over the, like, nearly debilitating fear of tornadoes, um, which I think happened because, like, I lived through a few. Like, I had a tornado that went, like, right over our house. Um, It didn't, like, destroy our house, but there was damage, and, like, we heard it. It sounded like a freight train. And then also, like, my grandparents lived in Texas, so then we were had a lot of really close contacts with tornadoes and i think just kind of like via repeated exposure and then like living through it and being okay i did get over it uh eventually and then by the time i was like a preteen teenager i was really fascinated by them too and i was became one of those oklahomans who would like stand outside and just stare at it until it looked really close <laughs> right i've never actually seen one up close they've never i've never been in one they They've always skipped. That's why I like it when people come here and they're from out of state. And they'll be like, I don't know, I'm just really afraid of, like, tornadoes. Even if it's, like, storming. I'm like, eh, you'll probably be fine. <laughs> it's, they rarely... Also, there's nothing you can do about, like, any natural disaster, really. Like, if you get enough warning, you can get to a place of relative safety. But, like, if it's going to come for you, it's going to come for you. <laughs> and there's, like, not a lot you can do about it. What's, like, the scariest one to you? 
like the scariest natural disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the one that freaks me out the most is like, which we, we had talked about this before, is like the heat death of the world, um, which I know I won't be around for, but just like the concept of it is really like creepy and disturbing to me. But as far as like kind of like more common occurrences, I think tsunamis. I Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that goes hand in hand with mine, but uh, earthquakes, I, I, I felt a couple, mm-hmm. kind of really liked it, but <laughs> the problem is like why they're so scary is because you can't like get away. You know, you can't hide from an earthquake. You can't like you can from a tornado or a big storm Yeah. or like you can't get away from them unless you flew up into the air <laughs> but earthquakes are the cause of tsunamis so that right. that is also terrifying i i would thought about doing tsunamis for a while and there were so many like um just videos of these large waves uh, and it's horrifying it is um there's an unsolved mysteries episode in like the the recent one that they did on netflix about uh, the, I think it, I want to say it was in 2011. There was this uh, like devastating tsunami in Japan, and that killed so many people. And there's uh, an unsolved mystery episode about the ghosts that people saw in that area. Yes, the passenger yeah, ghosts, like how taxi cabs like wouldn't even go in the area because they were afraid they'd pick up a ghost. <laughs> Right, and now it's, like, apparently become such, like, a common thing mm-hmm. that they will just, like, let them in. They don't even worry about a fare. They'll drive them to where they need to go, and then they'll just leave. Yeah. And that's crazy. That was in 2011. And yes. I almost did that, but then I remembered that there's, like, a few other podcasts that have done it and, like, specifically talked about that episode of Unsolved Mysteries. I was like, mm, I'm going to pick something else. But it's... Highly recommend that episode. It's, like, really touching, actually. Good stories. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, of course, <laughs> what are you afraid of today? Mm. That was, like, such a pregnant pause, and, I, and th- I'm not, like, even hiding anything. I'm just trying to think. Um, Did you say pregnant pause? Yeah, have you never heard that expression? I've never heard that one. No. It just mean What does that mean? It just means like uh when someone pauses and you like sense that there's a lot going on like behind it, a pregnant pause, like a heavy pause. Uh-huh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um but for me it was nothing. There is nothing in my empty little brain. Um Oh, I'm going so I'm going back to school kind of a little bit in the fall and I uh, something's happening where like my transcripts have been sent to the school that I'm gonna go to, but they just like think they don't have them. Uh, so I'm kind of worried that like I won't be able to start classes on time because because I'm because of some male human error. Well, it was like digital, and I'm like, and oh. like I keep getting emails that they're like, "Hey, we're like." ready to process your application but we don't have your transcripts and i'm like you do though and then they just don't email me back and then like a week later they're like hey we're ready to process your application but we don't have your transcripts so that's making me a little anxious but 
Yeah, nothing too too crazy. What about you? Uh, well, okay, okay. Geez, Charles, you want to get like deep with it? Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but when quarantine happened and I fell out of like a very um, frequent fitness habit like many of us did, I gained some weight and it's not dramatic, but I'm sometimes afraid that like I'm just going to keep getting bigger and bigger, which I know that's not going to happen, but I mean, you know, my body dysmorphia and my yeah complex with that. So that is on the mind today. And also afraid that <laughs> my hair, I, which is now platinum. I knew you were going to bring this up. Is because somebody earlier who shall remain unnamed was like, did you change your hair to yellow? Mind you, I got my hair done a week ago, okay? And to those of you who bleach your hair to like beyond blonde know that toner tends to fade extremely quickly, especially right after you've gotten it done. It never looks as great as it does like the moment after you're done, right? And that's why I wait a couple days to wash my hair to let everything like lock in, blah, blah, blah. Well, now I'm like... Does it look like yellow? But I looked at it. Okay, it's still bright. It's still basically white. Yeah. So that person who, if they listen to this podcast, love you, but like a small fuck you. <laughs> Just like a tiny fuck you. I'm, I'm looking at you in the camera right now and you look, it looks very platinum to me. It does not look yellow. Isn't it weird how like these little comments that like people don't think about much can like give you a complex yes yeah because i'd already kind of noticed it after the first wash and then i was like oh yeah i'll just get some like toning products because i haven't been blonde for a while so i don't really have any yeah and that was already in my mind and they brought it up and i was like well damn okay (laughs) i guess everybody noticed that my hair is not as platinum as it was a week ago thank you it's fine you'll get a purple shampoo and you'll be fine and but it looks good now and they've Thank you. They made a lot of, like, which, if anybody doesn't know who does bleach their hair, they made a lot of, like, leave-in conditioners that are purple-toned and styling products, like mousse that is purple-toned, which is new, and that's pretty cool. So, get out there, get online, go to Ulta, get vaccinated. That's sort of unrelated, but, hey, we're very pro-vax on this Just a reminder, Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, we are talking today about natural disasters, the storms, the tornadoes, the fires, all of it. Very real, very scary to everybody. And we do have a little bit of facts and figures. Welcome to the facts and figures section. So, facts and figures, na, na, na. Gorgeous. A press release. On June 11th, 2018, stated Healthcare Ready released findings from a national survey of 1,127 adults, which found for the third year in a row that the potential of a natural disaster, such as a hurricane, a tornado, flood, or wildfire, is the type of threat that causes most concern among Americans. Understandable. (laughs) Individuals' concern about natural disasters, 33%, continues to exceed worry about terrorist attacks, 15%, cyber attacks, 8%, and environmental disasters, 5%, or 
disease outbreaks 13 percent. i feel like that may have changed yeah i feel like that may this is these are the most recent like um polling statistics i could find with like specificity to how natural disasters rank among like other fears in americans uh was 2018 but i feel like maybe the proportions have changed a little bit yeah i'm gonna go with like disease outbreak is probably right under natural disaster if not above yeah so this poll was conducted by international polling firm YouGov for Healthcare Ready, a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit that works with the public and private sector to address healthcare resilience before, during, and after disasters. And while we could not find a phobia that encompassed all natural disasters together, um, this, these are big words, friends, Lil. I tried to say this earlier. Lilapusophobia. I'm pretty sure it's... Lilapsophobia. I'm pretty sure it's lilapsophobia. Lilapsophobia is the name for the phobia of tornadoes and hurricanes. According to VeryWellMind.com, lilapsophobia, or fear of tornadoes and hurricanes, can be seen as more as a more severe form of astrophobia, which is the fear of thunder and lightning. If you suffer from (laughs) lilapsophobia, it's not the average summer storm that you would fear, but the possibility of a storm becoming severe. This phobia is relatively common, although rarer, don't like that, more rare, than astrophobia. I think rarer is correct. are correct, but I still don't like them. Like, funner, I still think should be more fun. Um, according to Wikipedia, lalapsophobes spend a lot of time watching the weather or checking weather online to keep an eye out for the oncoming storms. And when a storm hits, sufferers either watch for severe weather alerts constantly or take cover, like under a bed or in a windowless room. In the extreme cases, sufferers take tornado shelter as soon as rain starts falling, usually in the basement or storm shelter. Sufferers who have weather radio or mobile phones can watch the radar and alert um, and all the alerts while using it um, while they are hiding but how afraid do we really need to be maybe a little more now than ever before according to a february 2021 policy advice article which is pretty recent titled natural disaster statistics 2021 the u.s and the world approximately approximately roughly 6,800 natural disasters take place every year. It's a lot. Around the world, and there has been a clear increase in natural disasters. Wonder why. Um, There were (laughs) 1.23 million fatalities in the past two decades, which is an increase from 1.19 million from 1980 to 1999, which I think we all know global warming causes a lot of um a a huge influx of natural disaster weather patterns (laughs) yeah (sighs) stay eco-conscious people um according to the policy advice article the u.s states in which most natural disasters occur are texas california oklahoma washington and florida the most common type of a natural disaster in the u.s is flooding now don't I feel fortunate to live in one of the most <laughs> natural disastrous states? Yeah. If, I mean, um, a lot of people who do listen to this podcast are from here, too. If you would do what I have told you and move here so you can be with me, you wouldn't be in one of those states. Okay. So. I moved there. It was gloomy and sad. 
because you were only here in the winter time winter yes why are you saying that like that's not a totally reasonable thing because out of the year anyway it's like 280 days out of the year that it's cloudy and rainy so it's not just the winter months what you don't understand is that the winter lasts 280 days so technically it is there were sunny days there were sunny days while i was there um although i did love lake michigan very clear very pretty i wanted to drink from it but decided not to that was a wise choice yeah i'm sure that there are dead bodies in there (laughs) there's gotta be at least one yeah the one we put there well they had it coming oh shout out to (laughs) (laughs) just like bleep it (laughs) the person that we that we totally killed um there was actually like there's a ton of information if you are more interested in like scientific and like statistical stuff uh in the facts and figures side of things there is a ton of information available about this unlike some of the other topics that we found um so, like, for instance, I, I read that, like, there are approximately uh, 6,800 natural disasters in the world. And, like, there's also approximately 6,800 fatalities each year around the world. It's, like, one per natural disaster was, like, the average. Yeah, each dis- disaster claims but one. Which was, like, I thought that was very strange. Um But yes, I did go a little ham on facts and figures today because there's just a wealth of information available. Yeah. And Um, look, you can track it too. Just walk outside, take note, and um, even you can have your own natural disaster fact and figures or maybe just become a a meteorologist. I almost said weatherologist and then I was like, you know, that's not right. I watched. I was. I watched you th- try to think of the word, and I was like, "There's a fifty-fifty shot. He's gonna get it." I'm proud of you. For me. a time, I wanted to be a meteorologist. Then I decided against it, and here we are. Yeah, that was a really good story. I uh, thank you. Um, besides that good story, you have a story for us this week, don't you? I do. Okay. So- um, so I definitely have a would you rather, and I'm not thinking of it right now. Um, okay. Oh, if you're going to die soon. Okay. Oh. In this scenario. In this scenario <laughs> you're, you're dying, and you know it. Um, and, but you're, and uh, hello. <laughs> What's happening to me? <laughs> Hi. Basically, she just told me I'm going to die soon. Okay, so you're going to die soon, and you know it. Would you rather your family, and it's, like, going to be ugly, would you rather your family be there to, like, be around you while you're dying or not to see you and to remember you in, like, a happier way? Would I rather them see me get torn apart by, like, a flying tree like or, which, yeah, you're you or like you're like bleeding out. You're dying. Whatever. Would you rather be surrounded by your family and that is their last image of you, or, and it's like gruesome, right? Or would you rather them not be there and remember? I you? mean, I feel like the right answer should be don't let them remember that. However, I feel like for me it would be 
nice instead of staring out into the open sky, maybe to see the faces of those you love. It's a very catch-22 situation here. Um, More cinematically, I'm going to stick with loved ones around as I'm like giving out my last words and like, no, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And you're like, just remember, I always loved you the most. Um, You're going to tell that to, to your favorite family member in front of all of them? Well, it's whispered in their ear, and then they pull back and smile. Is it really going to be whispered in their ears? Is it going to be like when Dorothy was saying goodbye to everybody in Oz? <laughs> Just remember! <laughs> um, you were there. You were there. When you she's there like, too. in front of everybody, she's like, and Scarecrow, I'll miss you most of all. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Well, I bet she whispers it, but just loud enough for no, us to the hear. The bitch does not whisper. That is- she's like, oh, goodbye, lion, by Tin Man. And then she's like, and I think I'll miss you most of all. It's it's sort of hushed. They're standing in a line right next to her. They definitely could hear that. That was like... Okay, but this was also 1930s recording. We didn't have like whisper. Honestly, regardless of the excuses that you make, it was a cunt move. Okay. She was also a little girl. Yeah. She's honest. (laughs) Praise her honesty. (laughs) An icon. Um... You know what? She had sp- she experienced a natural disaster too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a tornado whisked her away to Oz. <laughs> well, which one would you rather? Huh? Um I want to watch you bleed out. Yeah, well like in this case That's what I want. It would definitely like if we're ta- if we're talking about my biological family, it's like eh it doesn't particularly matter either way. Uh let them watch. <laughs> but if it's you I feel like you would want to be there because like, like you would want it's, you would be like, Oh, this is too dramatic for me to like miss out on. And like, you would be like, Oh, look, think of all the attention I'll get for having to watch my best friend die. And I, can I say this is weird, but if this is what I was going to bring up earlier, when it comes or when it used to, well, maybe it still happens when it comes to natural disasters, like a storm, a tornado, Sometimes I will think if this is going to happen, like if I'm in a tornado, if whatever, I need to be wearing the right outfit. Like I need to, I need to be dressed kind of cute, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it it needs to fit the scene. It needs to be like practical and functional, but also aesthetically pleasing. So most of the time, when it comes to a natural disaster, I will dress how I think I look to the audience, possibly the news, or just to myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you would be next to me, and I would be, like, dying. And you would be like, hey, uh, before you go, like, do you think I should switch my shirt? <laughs> hey, before you go, hang on. You're in my light. Okay. <laughs> Just like n- nudge my corpse to the side with your foot so they can stand in the the parted clouds and have the light beam down upon you. <laughs> and then you take like a big breath and start weeping. <laughs> so that, that, that that's how you'll be found. And I, I genuinely think Why like, her? a little part of you would feel like pissed off at me if I had the choice 
of having you watch me die and I didn't make you watch me die. I think a little part of you would be like, you, well, I can feel you like, imagine first the, of all, the attention that I have missed out on because <laughs> of your selfish choice? Yeah, to die. Why alone. don't people? Yeah, first of all, that's rude. They're supposed to feel sorry for me now, and they are going to. But I would have been able to say, I watched her go. I held her hand. I held her bloody, dismembered hand as she went. Which is a better story? The bloody, dismembered hand. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so yeah. So um, now that okay. we've delved into my possible selfishness, um, you that story. Yes. So get into I, it. <laughs> I did a one of my favorite things to do, as everyone knows, and I'm doing a survival tale this week. Um, it is not from the TV show I Survived, which you know, big ups to I Survived. Still a huge fan. Um. But this is from a show called Tornado Alley, and it was season two, episode seven. And I also did some additional research from a 2017 uh, Courier Journal article by Rachel Aratakis. Okay, so picture it. It's southern Indiana. It's March 2nd, 2012. And in the sky, two giant supercells are brewing. <sighs> um... So Joe and Stephanie Decker were raising their two children, Dominic and Reese, in a small town in southern Indiana called Henryville. So on March 2nd, um, you know, the weather looks a little cloudy, uh, but no need to interrupt the day. The kids head off to school. Stephanie heads to work as a sleep technician while her husband goes to teach at the local high school. Uh, Around noon, the weather starts to get pretty nasty, so Joe checks the radar while at the school and he sees that there are some like uh tornadoes like circulation popping up and if you've never seen a tornado which i guess you haven't i just always assume that you have because you're from oklahoma um, i've seen but, like rotation and like i've seen little yeah, dirt devils but like fingers yeah so like that is what you see first is rotation the clouds just start to rotate and sometimes it doesn't ever move past rotation and form a a funnel so like when he checks the radar he sees like there are these like points of rotation um and like indicative of a tornado um so the school goes into lockdown uh and joe calls stephanie to ask her to leave work and pick up the kids and go home because he feels like they'll be safer there Um, And she does. So Stephanie texts Joe to let him know that they made it home safely. Um, And meanwhile, Joe is continuing to look at the local weather reports while he is doing like the tornado lockdown at school. Um, And he sees that an F4, which is like a very big, very serious tornado. I think F5 is the biggest. So it's like chonky. Um, that's probably, chonky is probably not the proper word, <laughs> chonky is probably not the proper word to like convey the seriousness of this, but it is, it's a big bad, okay? And he sees that an F4 tornado is headed, she's thick, straight, she thick, uh, is headed straight for Henryville. So he texts Stephanie back and he's like, hey, you need to get yourself and the kids in the basement now. So she hustles the kids down to the basement and just as they reach, uh, like the bottom of the steps, 
the foundation starts to pull away from their house and the, the F4 tornado is hitting their house. So the tornado hits their house um, and it like rips it from the foundation. It completely decimates it. Um, so they're completely exposed and it also dislodges a steel support beam uh, which is it's like a huge like steel support beam, huge heavy steel beam, which flies straight towards Stephanie and the kids. And so like Stephanie talks about like it in the documentary and like seeing it and she says like I knew like I see this coming, I know I had to make a decision. I'm like, I can either keep holding my children or I can get out of the way of the beam. So she kept holding her children. And uh, she said when the beam hit her, it sounded like a paper cutter, like slicing through paper. And it felt like it had just sliced through her legs. So it landed across her legs. She was like face down um, covering her children. And then this heavy, I think, it, I, where did I write it down? This, it was like, it was like a two ton steel beam. <laughs> Um, hits her. Oh my god! Yeah, two thousand. It was a two thousand pound steel beam. So, uh, so she keeps hold of her kids, and and it just hits her and like crushes the back of her legs. She says it feels like it like sliced through her legs. That's what it, she said it felt like. And um, so uh, it hit her with the force of two tons, which is the same force as being run over by a school bus. And she said that obviously she knew instantly, like, my legs are gone. They're destroyed. Um, But she just keeps, through all of that, she just keeps holding on to her kids, like, trying to protect them with her body because now they're entirely exposed. And within about 15 seconds, the tornado's gone just, like, as quickly as it came. The house is absolutely destroyed. Um, And, but it's, like, quiet for a moment. And they start to, like, breathe. And then, because God is a bastard sometimes, huge chunks of hail start falling from the sky. Like, how huge? Some as big as baseballs. Oh, no. Um, So, like, Stephanie, who is incredibly injured, is, like, still trying to protect her children from this hail, so she just takes the brunt of it, um, continues, like, covering the children with her body and this blanket that she's found, um, and tries to protect them. Now, miraculously, the children are okay. They, like, don't have a scrape on them, and, you know, but Stephanie, at this point, she's born the brunt of this, like, these big chunks of hail and then on top of that you know this 2,000 pound steel beam has crushed her and she said that she had already started just turning purple down like the whole length of like the back of her body and obviously she can't move um so she so the hail subsides and she asks her son Dominic to like stand on top of the rubble to like get a look at everything and see like if he can see anyone you know nearby that may be able to help or like just kind of analyze what's going on she she said like he had to be my eyes and ears because I can't move. So Dominic um, gets on top of like this like pile of rubble and looks out and then he turns back to his mom and his eyes are just like huge and he's terrified. And he looks at her and he tells her there's another tornado coming. Oh my God. 
Yeah. And it's another, like, huge tornado. So Stephanie said that she thought to herself, like, oh, there's there's no way we're going to survive a second tornado. Like, people just don't do not do that. Like, <laughs> And um, she said that she just got this, like, absolutely sick feeling in the pit of her stomach, like, accepting that her children were going to die. It wasn't, like, even about her. And, like, that she couldn't really protect them. So... She did the best she could. She got them back under the blanket and laid back on top of them. And they just, like, waited for the impact. What they didn't know is that second tornado not only put the house back together, but repaired <laughs> the neighbor's... Stephanie's legs. Marriage. Yeah, yeah, and that too, her <laughs> legs too. Yeah, so, okay, so pause there. That's where they're at. And back at the high school, Joe is trying to reach the family, but, you know, they're kind of busy they're dealing with some shit um and he starts to panic because he can't get a hold of them so he decides to leave the school and run home to check on them okay so he's on his way meanwhile the tornado is heading straight for stephanie and the kids and it starts stirring up the debris because like obviously there's a lot of debris as a result of the house being destroyed you know, there's chunks of concrete, wood, just like pieces of furniture. Um, and so it's flying. And actually, like debris is what I feel like I've read before that debris is actually what causes like the bulk of the injuries from tornadoes. Because, I mean, you get hit with this like flying chunks of stuff that are like going at really fast. Yeah, because I feel like oftentimes like people aren't really picked up by tornadoes. It's all the other stuff like the limbs and our houses. <laughs> Yeah, um, though it does happen. Um, but so debris is like flying everywhere, and she's like, Stephanie decides to like look up just for like a second to see what's going on. Um, and as soon as she looks up, she immediately gets hit by a chunk of debris, and it has this huge gash on her forehead now. Okay, so new rule so. don't look up until it's over. So, yeah, she said she did not do that again um and then she said that when she got hit with the debris and like she put her head back down she had this realization like oh this is it like my life is over she just kind of accepted that she wasn't gonna make it but again the tornado passes and all three of them are still alive and the children aren't harmed at all they don't even have a scratch on them meanwhile their human shield is I know. And do you know what's like so bananas to me is like in when in her interview, Stephanie says, you know, she goes, that blanket saved those children's lives. And I'm like, ma'am? No. I don't think it was the blanket. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was you. Right. I think the blanket may have saved them from some scrapes and scratches, maybe a gash or two. Yeah. But uh But you're right, she she was literally a human shield for these kids. And it, like, didn't seem to even occur to her, like, how incredible that was. Um, Because, like, you have to... Look, I know that people love their children a whole lot. But also, like, you have to actively fight against your own survival instincts to do what she did. Right? Our instinct, if you see something rushing towards you that's going to harm you, is to get out of the way. And she had in a second to make the decision to sacrifice herself for her kids. And I think that's, like, com- really commendable and it very is. powerful. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. Maybe I'd offer one up to the yeah, tornado and god and say, hey, 
If you take this one, you can go. <laughs> but I don't think anyone can know what they do in a situation like that, really, right? Until it happens. Yeah, I don't know. Because I always thought, like, yeah, like, you know, we take care of children. I always thought, like, if anything like that happened at school, like, I would definitely do everything in my power to protect those children. And, like, morally and, like, what my values are, right, that's what I would do. But I... I don't think you can ever like truly predict what you would do in a situation that is life threatening until right. you're in that situation. I just think like she deserves like a little more credit than the blanket, maybe. But that's just me. Um Okay. So uh the storm, it seems like it's finally over. It's like past. Okay, so Stephanie, um she's losing a lot of blood. Um because she's been, like, just unimaginably injured. And she says, like, she feels herself dying. And she tells her son to go get help to go to the neighbor's house. So he runs and returns with the neighbor, Christina. So Christina shows up. She looks at Stephanie and just goes into shock and, like, completely loses it. (laughs) And Stephanie has to be like, hey, um, can, like, get it together? So Stephanie, who is dying, has to now, like, help her neighbor. Like, <laughs> I feel like, hey, I literally am paralyzed, probably. So um, I'm going to need you to, like, call, you know, whoever. Yeah, and at this point, she's, like, sure that she's not going to make it. And so, like, she's like, uh, all right, I'm going to put the fact that I am dying aside um, and, like, be like, Christina, let's calm down. <laughs> Um, and she like does she like gets Christina together and she's like listen I need you to take the kids to Brian Levin's house and Brian Levin was uh, Levin's was her friend and neighbor and the thing is like she asked her son to go get help not so that anyone could help her but so that her kids could get somewhere else so they wouldn't have to watch her die Mm -hmm. love of a mother some days some mothers some days, some mothers. Um, and so she's like, you need to take them to Brian's house. And Christina, like, pulls it together and agrees. And then, so once the children are gone, she is left alone, uh, trapped under this beam. And she pulls out her phone and records a goodbye message to her family. Ooh. I know. Like, ah, it's like, can you imagine being in that scenario? It's just, it's like so heartbreaking wrenching and scary i can and i'm wearing i'm wearing like a floor length oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um i hate you okay so she says that she spoke briefly to each one of her family members just letting them know how much she loves them and like her vision for their futures like especially for her kids so um, and then after she's done with that, she says, like, she feels her body start to sh- shut down and she just wanted to, like, close her eyes. But then she starts, like, fighting that urge and she's like, I'm only 37 um, and I, I don't want to give in and just die. So she says that, like, she wasn't really big into prayer, um, but she starts praying and she basically says, like, God, if you're there, I need someone to come help me because I'm out. Like, I'm out of strength. I'm out of time. If you're if you're up there, dude, like, can you send me someone to help? Which, like, okay. Sorry, sorry to piss off people who believe in God for like the hundredth time, but it feels kind of like 
someone stabbing you and then you being like, hey, can you like pack my wounds for me so I don't die? I know you just stabbed me, (laughs) but the hospital's like across the street. Do you think you could drag me to the front door? Just real quick. And then I won't ask you for anything else. Because like if God is like in charge of everything then he kind of just put you in this situation. And then you have to be like, so I'm sorry. She said that she was like, I know I don't pray as much as I should. And I was like, I would not be issuing apologies to God at this point. I would either. (laughs) I think I definitely wouldn't be saved, right? If God is real, because my prayer would be something like, hey, fucker, um, thanks a lot for this. It'd be cool if I didn't die right now. Maybe I'll pray to the tornadoes instead. (laughs) Do you think you could come back and lift this beam off of my body? Okay. Well, we'll get on. We'll get into what would have happened had that happened, actually. Okay. So suddenly, Brian Levins, the neighbor that she had Christina bring uh, her kids to, he's he comes back. So I guess, like, obviously, they relayed to Brian what had happened, and he comes back with about a half dozen other neighbors and he tells stephanie they're gonna get her out of there and stephanie looks at him and she's like hey like i'm i'm dying i'm not gonna make it <laughs> like thank you i already airdropped my <laughs> goodbye message so but like i am not gonna make it dude which like i can kind of see you doing because i feel like if you did like a big dramatic thing like had you sent that those like let's say you were in Stephanie's situation, but you, like, sent the videos, I feel like you'd be like, oh, no, like, I have the perfect ending. I I simply couldn't ruin it. Right. The camera already <laughs> ended now. at my phone yeah. light going off in my <laughs> the hand. The audience in my head is, like, s- softly weeping. Um, everyone's, like, so proud of me and how brave I was. And, like, I'm, I'm never going to top this death. So I just need you to, like, let me go. Like, we can pretend that you're going to save me. (laughs) Yeah, the only thing that would supersede that is this is when we discover that I had superpowers. That's the only thing that's going to continue this story. (laughs) The tornado gave you superpowers. Uh, I'm into that. I'm so Uh, into that. But short of that, you'd be like, just let me go. It's already so perfect. Um, Okay. But he's like, and it's kind of like, a little sweet because in the documentary Brian is like crying as he retells the story and he's like clearly like very emotionally touched by this and like cared about Stephanie um, a lot and he's like nope you're gonna be fine <laughs> which I feel like if someone told me I was gonna be fine after this I'd just laugh I'd be like okay <laughs> oh so we're in pretend land here <laughs> where I survive <laughs> this and everything is okay and I'm gonna be just fine <laughs> um Okay, so the neighbors start to lift Stephanie um, and, like, kind of, like, maneuver her out from under the beam. But as soon as they start to lift her, they realize that her femoral arteries are severed, which is, like, the largest arteries on your body. She really cannot catch a break. Two tornadoes. Um, well, I'm sure several things were broken. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of things are broken. <laughs> She's got, like, but you know what I mean. I mean, she, like, had one tornado, steel beam, survived it. Baseball size hail, survived it. Second tornado, survived it. Finally, help has come, and it's like, oh, yeah, so your arteries are severed. 
Um, so they uh, make like a they use like fabric from someone's clothing and make a a tourniquet like a makeshift tourniquet um which is like a strip of like fabric or like rubber that you tie very tightly to like stop the blood flow to an area and you have to tie these like obviously painfully tight tight enough to stop blood from going there um so they tourniquet her legs and she said that the they could have she was like they must have heard me screaming the next county over from like how painful it was for them to tourniquet me um so that must have been very gruesome like i was just thinking about like imagining being one of the like rescuers there and the uh, all the blood and the screams and jesus christ okay um, so now they're able to lift her out of the rubble. And for the first time, she looks down at her legs as she's being carried from the rubble. And she's like, she said they were so completely crushed that they weren't even recognizable as legs and feet anymore. Oh, God. Like, I know. Horrific. Like, I remember, so I had a really bad knee injury. Side, just sidebar. Um, I am as brave as Stephanie. Uh, I had a really bad knee injury when I was like... 14 and I had to I couldn't move my knee for like several months I had to wear this like leg brace that stopped me from moving my knee so that meant that like I couldn't exercise um my legs right so whenever they removed and I couldn't really get a sense of like what my leg looked like because I was in this like thigh to ankle brace that like covered my leg so then when I find they finally removed the brace um, I, and like I had surgery and had to continue wearing the brace. Anyway, it was a long process. And they finally removed the brace. My leg had atrophied so bad that it looked like a, like baby leg. Like, obviously it was still as long as a normal leg, but it had like no muscle left. Like all my muscle had wasted away because I had not been able to use those muscles. I know that's not and funny. And I looked it but it's funny (laughs) i mean it's like it's like a little funny um and i looked down and i just started sobbing immediately like because it's um it's just like really freaky to like see your body in a way that you it should not be like that that is not what that's supposed to look like (laughs) and so like that traumatized me so i can't even imagine what it would be like to just like have your legs not even be recognizable as legs anymore that's a lot um and so okay so they're getting her to the hospital meanwhile joe is still on the way home her husband right and he gets a voicemail from christina the neighbor who went into shock the like that stephanie had to be like okay get it together bitch um and christina has told joe like hey just so you know the kids are with me and they're okay but he's like she doesn't mention Stephanie at all. And he's like, uh, why aren't the kids with Stephanie? Why is she not mentioned Stephanie? And then he arrives home and sees the house completely flattened. And he's like panicking. And he finds a neighbor that tells him that the kids are fine, but Stephanie's in really bad shape and tells him the hospital that they took her to. Um, and when he gets to the hospital, Stephanie is in critical condition and she's in surgery. So after a while of like panic, panicked waiting a surgeon comes out and he tells joe that stephanie is going to survive but she's going to lose both of her legs 
which like yeah um and joe talks about it and he says he felt like horribly guilty because it was his idea to send his family home that day um so like he felt responsible but like it's on god if anyone right (laughs) yeah or the tornado or you know i'm not saying it's her fault but like the kids she had just gotten out of the way and let the beam take the kids you know or just i don't know push everybody a little farther you know see how far a little bit more force can take you maybe don't go home maybe try to reason with the tornado yeah i mean she definitely could not have gotten both herself and the kids out of the way in the like half a second that it took the beam to fall on them so maybe i had to let it take the kids i know that's terrible but but also like too i would have had that i would have wanted i think that cinematic ending more because now i have no legs Okay, but here's the thing. Um, Charles, there are many people who live, like, completely rich and fulfilling, happy lives without legs or, like, various other limbs. I guess. Your life would still be very valuable. (laughs) Uh, Once the family can see her, Stephanie's son, Dominic, takes the news really hard. And he says he felt like he was supposed to like protect and help his mother and here's and he failed and here's the thing this is another like sidebar another sidebar this is an example of how toxic masculinity like fucks over men too because he was like a little boy and yet he felt like he was supposed to be like the protector of his mom and that's just not how it works like your parents are supposed to protect you and just in the fact that you are male does not mean that you have to protect any like every woman in your family And now this kid is, like, beyond just being, like, traumatized by this whole experience, also feels, like, tremendous guilt for not fulfilling his role as a man. So, like, that's just a little mini rant. Which is dumb, because, hello, did you not see, like, what she just did? Yeah. (laughs) How she protected the family, you know? Yeah, like, and that is, when you're a parent, you agree to protect your children. Like, that's part of the deal and it doesn't matter if your kid is a boy or girl or neither or both you protect your children parents protect their children and it just sucks i don't know that like i I feel like this happens a lot of the time where like boys feel like they have to protect their moms and that's just like weird to me and like disappointing that that's a thing in society so anyway i know that was like a little mini side rant and you're like and like not to say like you should protect your mom if they need it but like not so much to the point where you're like guilty about it yeah there's everything in moderation people once again he was just a little boy like i mean yes like i guess protect your mom as much as you would like protect your dad right you would not want to do anything that would directly cause them harm but your parents are supposed to protect you even if you're a boy they're the grown-up you're the kid and like you don't need that responsibility period facts no printer and stephanie didn't blame her husband or her son obviously it was just a really tragic horrible terrifying situation 
Um, so she actually still has the video that she made for her family, but they've never seen it. And um, she she also reminded her son, going back, she reminded her son, like, hey, if you hadn't gone to get help, I like I definitely wouldn't be here. So you saved me. So, um, but yeah, she still has the video that she made for her family, but they've never seen it. Sorry, my neighbor dog is barking. Um, and she says like, it's kind of cute the way that she said it. She's like, I can still walk and run and do everything that I used to do. Now I just do it on some pretty legs, which is like nice. Yeah. Um, that she still like feels again, like I was saying, she has, still has a very fulfilling, happy life. Um, which is true, but it it is very hard to to once have legs and then not have them. That is it's pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and the the family is like you know happy together and still like a very loving family, um, which was really nice to see because like big trauma like this can like dissolve family units sometimes. Um, Especially if there's, like, resentment, you know, but it seems like Stephanie really didn't, like, again, she didn't blame anyone for it, and she had, like, a really positive attitude moving forward, and just seems really grateful that her kids are here and that she's still here. And um, in the end, this, uh, these, like, the storm cluster caused extensive damage throughout Indiana and Kentucky. It killed 34 people. And injured hundreds of people. Mm. Uh, a local fire chief called it the tornado version of Hurricane Katrina oh because my. of how much like utter devastation that it caused. Yeah, so it was uh, one hell of a natural disaster that she survived and protected her children through. And yeah, that is the survival story of Stephanie Decker and her family. Thank you. Wow. What she didn't tell you is that Bailey is responsible for those two tornadoes. So, um, yeah, I'm not here to point fingers. I was praying for the tornadoes to win. It's a hard one. Like I said, don't know how I'd feel in that situation. I don't even know if I'd save the kids. And if I didn't, I'd probably feel guilty about it. But then I might be like, well, least i'm good like (laughs) that sounds terrible but i mean no but i self-preservation in instincts are very strong and again like no one can really know what they will do um until they're in a situation like that and like yeah big props to stephanie obviously but there are going to be situations where like sometimes someone doesn't self-sacrifice and just does what they need to do to stay alive. Right. See, and another, like during, you know, another reason why we don't have kids, right, is because you don't have to make that choice, <laughs> right? You just get to you get to choose you. Yeah, but you could still find yourself like I hope this never happens to either of us, but we could still find ourselves in a situation where like we have to either like take make sure like we're okay or someone else is okay. And yeah, and we'll see. And that's why, like, you know, you never really know. And that's why, like, survivors should not feel guilty for doing what whatever they need to do to stay alive. 
Um, survival's guilt because, is yeah, sur- no one knows. Survivor's guilt <laughs> is real. Also, <laughs> side note: if there's ever a tornado, I'm sort of like fucked because this building, <laughs> this wood, I'm gonna fall straight through my floor and into my neighbor's house, like apartment. It's gonna yeah. happen. Um, but it may not happen. I'll make sure I'm wearing the appropriate clothes. But you'll probably be fine. I'm not sure what outfit either of us would wear for what I'm have to talk about. Now we all know volcanoes are real. They're a little destructive. Um, If you don't know what a volcano is, it just spits out hot rock and ash on people. It's a mountain. gets mad. Um, Now, you might wonder, what's worse than a volcano exploding? Well, that would be a super volcano. And my sources here, we've got National Geographic... Um, an article about the super volcano in Yellowstone, um, and a video called Yellowstone Big Volcano Ready to Erupt, How the Earth Was Made, Season 1, Episode 8, on the History Channel. Um, and I, I know you heard me mention Yellowstone, and probably a lot of you already know about this. Bailey already knows about this. But um, besides our own super volcano, there are actually around 20 super volcanoes around the world and they what what and you didn't do it would you rather mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. forget about <laughs> it i love them i just forget about them um well okay my would you rather is would you rather push a button that just wipes everything clean on earth but leaves the sure possibility for new and better living or would you rather and like okay okay so you are like the all-powerful deity of a world, okay? So are you gonna? It's it's all going bad, the Earth, okay? Would you rather hit a button and just be like reset and wiped clean? Now we're gonna start over with a newer, better thing going on, or would you rather warn the people and be like, hey? Things are going to get even worse if you keep acting like this, so maybe you should do this instead and hope for the best. Hmm. If I warn them, I'm like, they don't get it together. Can I then push the button? I mean, no, because this is, you have to choose either one. If I push the button, there's... It's just a possibility that things will be better. No, it's it, not will, like a it will be. It will be. But all the previous creations that you made, all the wonderful, beautiful things that you made will be destroyed. Yeah, I'd probably push the button. Okay. Um, well, you? you know, we might not get to make that choice because we might get both. So, um, 
Yeah, super volcanoes, okay? What's a super volcano? There are around 20 in the world, and they are usually found by a large depression in the ground, which is called a caldera. So think of like a ring of stone, large ring, and then there is a valley in between it that is pretty circular. Um, that is a caldera. A supervolcano explodes at a magnitude of 8 on the VEI scale, which is the Volcanic Explosivity Index, which is the highest level. And um, the criteria of a supervolcano's life is broken down into three stages. So there is one, a surge of magma, which is a pocket of magma that is trapped under the crust of the Earth, fed by a pipeline to the lava mantle. Two is a super eruption, which is over 1,000 kilometers of, or like cubic kilometers of tephra, which is ash and rocky material. Um, The most recent being in New Zealand approximately 26,000 years ago in Taupo, I think it was called. And then the last stage is resurgence. Um, which is a collapsed caldera. This is after the lava has drained from the pocket and the land falls back down. Um, this is a quote directly from the National Geographic's article. It says, there are These are very large eruptions, the impacts of which would be widespread from avalanches of hot rock and gases racing down the volcano's flanks to global changes in climate. But there's an important caveat about supervolcanoes that most people commonly overlook. Just because a volcano has had a super eruption once or even twice in its past doesn't mean its future eruptions will be just as big. Even though one could counter, doesn't mean it won't. Volcanoes can change. <laughs> they can, they can change they can too. Grow. They can stop being so angry. <laughs> what could be a hopeful outlook um, 5,000 eruptions over the past 10,000 years. Out of those, none of them have reached an 8 on the VEI scale. Scientists have identified 42 eruptions that ranked a high 7 or 8 in the last 36 million years. Though, since that is such a huge time, way beyond our scientific journaling and capabilities, there is bound to be some adjustments and missed or overcalculated data. Um, for perspective, Mount St. Helens in America was a 5 on the VEI scale, and Mount Vesuvius was a 5 also, which was the mountain and explosion volcano that um, destroyed Pompeii. And yeah, Pompeii was destroyed because of that. All the ash and other volcanic debris uh, poured down very quickly onto them and covered them in more than 9 feet of ash and volcanic debris, which you might not know, but you should know, is the volcano that made those ash casts of people's bodies, which is crazy, but also kind of cool. So the word supervolcano has only been used around since 1925, but this now brings us back to the U.S. in Yellowstone National Park. Yellowstone is 8,000 feet up on a mountain plateau. It spans 3,468 square miles. That's really big. 63 north and south and 54 um, east to west. It was founded as the world's first 
National Park because of its diverse ecosystem. From 2,400 miles of rivers and some 300 waterfalls and 1,000 hot water springs and geysers, um, one being Old Faithful, which, if you don't know, every 90 minutes it blasts out thousands of gallons of boiling water, and this happens as a reservoir below fills up with water and then is heated by the hot rocks below, and through about a 5-inch wide crack, it eventually spurts out and shoots couple hundred feet up into the air. It's pretty cool. Never seen it. I kind of want to. Um, There are two old craters from large other geysers, one being Indian Lake and the other being Yellowstone Lake, which um, when they went out onto Yellowstone Lake, she was like, it's very placid out here. It's very calm. But what you don't know is underneath on the floor, there's a lot of activity going on, a lot of you know, bubbling and just vibrations. So in the History Channel film, the scientists analyzed the gases coming out of the hot springs in the middle of the park, and they found that it's the same gases that come from volcanoes. There's also a collection of quartz all around the springs, and they only come from molten lava flow slowly being cooled after an, after an eruption. And... There are lodgepole pines that grow there, and these trees only grow in soil that comes from a type of lava called rhyolite. So this all proves that Yellowstone is sitting on top of a volcano that must have once erupted. But how large? When? And will it explode again? Well, one indicator of how large this blast might have been is the presence of obsidian found in a valley way outside of Yellowstone, Obsidian is glass, like a black glass formed by hot ash and gas being cooled rapidly while under immense pressure. And this is evidence of a very, very large eruption that once sent ash out um, around 100 miles per hour and extremely hot. Um, at, and this point is like 50 miles outside of Yellowstone Park. Um, also, to add to that... Uh, blast trajectory. In 1960, Robert Christensen found that the rocks he was studying formed a large circular ring, 45 miles in diameter. And in California, there was a thin layer of ash that was found underneath the soil dating back 640,000 years. Along with other discoveries, they surmise this blast to have been 2,500 times bigger than Mount St. Helens, which altogether was 230 square miles coverage of ash. So, this explosion approximately covered 575,000 square miles. Which, I don't know about you, but that is huge. So, yeah, I don't like that uh idea. I don't like the idea of a volcanic blast that big. It makes me very uncomfortable and nervous. Right. But just so you know, this was six around 640,000 years ago. That makes you feel any better. Um, Yellowstone today has about 5,000 earthquakes a year. Most are not even felt by tourists. But through tracking um, the seismic activity that is there so often, it's let us see where hot rock would be located as waves slow down when they pass through hot rock, just like x-ray 
um, x-rays, they slow down when they go through our bones, and that's how we're able to see them. This reveals a 30-mile-long, 25-mile-wide, and about 10-miles-deep lava pocket at the heart of Yellowstone. It's what keeps everything so warm and steamy. Um, Over the years, with developing tech, we've found an even deeper structure, a volcanic pipe that lies way below that is estimated to be 400 miles deep, but nobody really can be quite sure just how big it is and how deep it is because it is so deep. (laughs) Now, there is a chain of craters that tracks behind the current caldera of Yellowstone, which at first they surmised was indicative of a somehow moving volcano, like a moving hotspot, like this nefarious, fiery thing just roaming the earth trying to pop up. But instead, they now realize I'm that just it's... imagining a volcano on... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm just imagining a volcano. I'm just. Shit, our lag got bad again. I'm just imagining a volcano on like little chubby legs, like walking around, being like, "I'm gonna explode! I'll do it!" Yeah, with like a grumpy face. It's kind of cute. It makes it less scary. Honestly, it is kind of cute. Instead of a walking volcano with legs, they realize that it's not the hot spot moving; it's the continent. And this is a parallel to the formation of Hawaii. Um, But this hotspot and volcano is the first one to be discovered in the middle of a continent. So there have been at least three very large eruptions from this hotspot. Two of them being a VEI-8, which was the most recent, around 640,000 years ago, and before that, um, a VEI-8 of 2.1 million years ago. And there was a VEI-7 1.3 million years ago. But, like I said, there is a... quite the, the track of calderas that all lead up to our current one. So, what are the warning signs of interruption. Well, one, there's a lot of earthquakes. Yellowstone has about 5,000 earthquakes, if you remember a year. Check. Two, mm-hmm. rising ground. We know this because of a once... Uh, a rising ground. Check. Um, we know this because of a once-sunk tourist ship in the 1960s that has now resurfaced in the lake. Um, and it sunk to the bottom previously. So we see that, but also a GPS stationed system that tracks constantly rising ground in the middle of the woods, and the ground is in fact rising. But no one knows when an eruption could happen again. Though there was a lot of fear, maybe not fear mongering, but um, a lot of fear placed into society after... about a lurking explosion from Yellowstone from a 2005 docudrama that was made by BBC and Discovery. And in the docudrama, it talked about what would happen if a VEI-8 explosion that happened 2.1 million years ago happened today. It is possible for such an explosion to happen again. But thankfully, 
the USGS says that the probability of it happening in the like next few thousand years is exceedingly low. Um, the magma in Yellowstone's reserve is about 5 to 15% molten, and an eruption needs about 50% to explode. So they say... Have we tried just like putting a bunch of ice in there just to like keep it... We haven't, but Yellowstone does get pretty cold sometimes, so maybe yeah, that's what... just like shove some of the ice in there. That's what I'm thinking. You know, dig a hole. Throw some ice down the geyser. See what happens. I mean, the fact that we haven't even tried is, like, kind of lazy. I'm not saying that they haven't tried. I'm just saying that I haven't heard of them trying. But I think maybe mm-hmm. we should contact the USGS and be like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but most of the time, cold cancels out heat. So if you're afraid of the super volcano, ice, let's give it a go. And they might be like, oh my god, you fixed yeah. our problems. They do say that more than likely we will see a lava flow before an eruption. So just lava coming out of the earth, not too scary. Um, still destructive, but that would happen more than an eruption. However, if it were to be a VEI 8 eruption um they've made a lot of maps of what would you know be the the damage here in the immediate kill zone (laughs) like if this exploded you're not gonna live i'm sorry it's just not in the cards for you uh we have good chunk of utah wyoming idaho most of montana um, then you have the primary ash zone. Not favorable. Probably still going to die. Think Pompeii vibes. Um, we've got like Colorado, a little bit of Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, North and South Dakota, um, Nebraska, even Kansas. And then on the outer circles of that, there is... Oklahoma, and the tip of Texas, New Mexico, and uh, a lot of Illinois, basically all of Wisconsin, and Minnesota. That is the secondary ash zone. So, not... So, are we going to make it? You know, it's not great. (laughs) Um... Right, yeah. The the living conditions are not favorable, and you may be sick or develop chronic illnesses, but you might be okay. Basically, East Coast and California, they're, like, kind of fine, except some maps say that California and a lot of Mexico and some of Canada are not even doing, like, great. So... So basically most of us are fucked. Yeah, like a whole three-fourths of the United States, which the United States is a very large continent. Um, Nope, North America is a very large continent, but the U.S. is a very large (laughs) country. Um, It's a good chunk of the continent, and most of that would be 
obliterated. But most of the time, after a... Because we know that there were these supervolcano explosions. And just like Yellowstone, we see the diverse ecosystem and the beautiful like environment that is there. So there is hope after the fact. But, oh, another thing too, of even though the USGS says that, you know, it's exceedingly low that it would happen, each of those calderas that they found that tracked to the current Yellowstone one were all about 600,000 years apart. And mm-hmm. so the last one was 640,000 years ago. So it's kind of like we're overdue. Uh, and I think that's what really yeah. scares people. But like they said before, doesn't mean just because it's exploded once doesn't mean that it will again. And even if it does again, it doesn't mean it's going to be as big. Like they said, it more than likely will be a lava flow. Though sometimes I feel like scientists or like when it comes to those kind of things, they say one thing, but it ends up being another thing. Just like when the weatherman is like, hey, it's definitely going to snow tomorrow. Like no school and you wake up at six o'clock and your streets are clean and there's nothing there. And you're like, well, I still have to go to yeah. school. <laughs> and it was a light like, mist. Can we even really trust scientists? They haven't even tried putting ice in it. Right. Did you put, uh, Did or like, look, did anybody talk to it? Yeah, really, that's that's all there was on my end of Yellowstone's supervolcano, which I should have done. I wanted to do a little bit more on, like, Pompeii, but I felt like that was overdone. But that is very interesting, and I would encourage you, if you don't know much about Pompeii, to look into it. The movie, not so great. Even though it does have Kit Harrington, Kit, hello, Kit Harrington and Emily Browning, which are two really good actors, it's um not that great of a film. So basically, Yellowstone probably won't erupt anytime soon. But if it does, like most of us are gonna die. Yeah. Cool. That's comforting, isn't it? So like, probably not gonna happen. But I don't know. But if it does, it might, it might, (laughs) we don't really know anything. And right, like, and look, they said it might not be a VEI-8. What about a 6? Mount Vesuvius was a 5. Yeah, I'm not, like, super comfortable with that either. I would prefer no, no eruption. Yeah, maybe, like we said, just a little, a little ooze, a little ooze of lava give some new fertile rich soil but isn't it kind of terrifying to think that we are on top of what seemingly is this hot burning churning melted rock that's just under us yeah yeah and i think like the freakiest thing about natural disasters is like you can try to predict them but there's not really a lot you can do about them like if yellowstone's gonna erupt it's gonna erupt and we're we're probably going to die and there's not really anything we can do about that if a tornado hits you like you're just at the mercy of the tornado and that's what i think makes them like such a scary thing because there's not a lot you can do to like prevent it or like there are certain safety measures you can take but those things are way bigger than you are and they're gonna do what they're gonna do and like you 
there you can't reason with them there's no there's no conversations you can have though with some things you know there you can always be more environmentally conscious to help slow the um, impending doom of the climate crisis that we have um, even though that more so falls on the heads of corporations um, every little bit does help so um, there are there are some things you could maybe do um but it probably like won't help right because you and i feel really differently about this but like i i am an environmentally conscious person i think it's like a a good thing to do but like it probably isn't gonna help like individual moves are not going to help when like a small amount of corporations are responsible for 70 percent of global warming like your bamboo toothbrush probably isn't going to do anything to stop Yellowstone from exploding and killing us all. Well, nothing that the large corporations could do would stop Yellowstone from exploding. But it could stop a lot of storms from happening and ravaging the world. And like the corporations doing something, not your bamboo toothbrush. Though, your bamboo toothbrush will not stay around for thousands and thousands of years maybe only a hundred, maybe shorter. Um, maybe that volcano would burn it up, you know? Um, so don't get too, I look, it does fall on the corporations as the head, but that's not enough for you to be nihilistic about it and saying, well, who cares? I'm not saying who cares. I'm just saying like, realistically, nothing that the individual can do can stop the trajectory that we're well, on what if all the individuals are doing it together or a large portion of the individuals no because a small group of corporations are responsible for 70 percent of emissions which it should be telling so that like in the midst of a pandemic when the world was on pause that the air cleared up and the oxygen or whatever like the the oxygen levels and the atmosphere went up or whatever it seemed like the ozone might the hole might be repairing itself and you know animals that were once happy in places returned to those places like in venice um a little sad yes it does seem that there's not much that we can do when it comes not only to large corporations like the fossil fuel industry but also natural disasters it feels you feel powerless and that is terrifying and yeah that's what i think makes it a scary world out there so hold on to the people you love because they might get ripped out by a tornado bye bye, bye. <laughs>